Bezrat Hashem, we continue with Tractate Temura. We are on page 19a, Daf Yud Tedam and Aleph. We're at the top of the page. And we are going to continue our discussion of the difference between offerings and substitutes and burnt offerings and the status of offspring and all of those different things. And we're going to continue here with a discussion between Abaye and Rava. So Abaye raises an objection to what Rava said on the previous daf. And Abaye says, does Rabbi Elazar require that there has to be a burnt offering status for the mother in order for the offspring to be sacrificed as a burnt offering? But isn't it taught in Abraisa, in the case of one who designates a female animal to be his Passover offering, which really, in fact, has to be a male, so that animal then is left to graze until it becomes unfit, and then it's sold, and the person brings a Pesach offering with the money that he gets from the sale. But if this female animal has a male offspring, so that offspring cannot be sacrificed as a Pesach offering despite the fact that it's a male. Rather, that animal is left to graze until it becomes unfit. And then that is also so that he brings a Pesach offering with the money that he gets from that sale too. If the animal remains without a blemish until after Pesach, so it's left to graze until it becomes unfit, and then he brings a Shlamim, a peace offering, with the money that he gets from the sale. If the animal has a male offspring after Pesach, so that offspring too is left to graze until it becomes unfit and then it's sold and he brings a peace offering, a shlamim with the money that he gets from the sale. Rabbi Elazar disagrees in this last case and he says that the offspring in this case is itself sacrificed as a shlamim. So Abaye is going to explain. Here we have a case where there is no peace offering status for the mother. Because the mother was consecrated to be a Pesach offering and it wasn't able to be one. And yet, Rabbi Elazar says that the offspring is sacrificed as a shlamim, a peace offering. So Rava says to Abaye about his objection. He says, do you say that this statement of Rabbi Elazar regarding a Pesach offering after Pesach contradicts the explanation that I gave? No, it doesn't. So the status of a Pesach offering after Pesach is different. Because it's then it becomes a leftover Pesach offering, and then that is it itself is sacrificed as a shlamim. So therefore, a female animal that is designated as a Pesach offering has the status of a shlamim after Pesach. Abayis is back to Rava. So if so, that the reason Rabbi Elazar permits the offspring to be sacrificed is that the mother also then has the status of a shlamim. So let Rabbi Elazar also disagree with the chachamim in the first part of the brisa which said that the female animal that, des- that is designated to be a Pesach offering has a male offspring before Pesach. Rabbi El- Elazar, in that situation, should say that the offspring can be brought as a shlamim. And here, too, the mother has the status of a shlamim, since a Pesach offering that is shechted before Pesach as a shlamim is valid. So Rabbi says to Abaye, so yes, it's true. And then they disagree in this case as well. Abaye suggests another explanation. For the opinion of Rabbi Elazar, he says, So in a case where we have a female animal that's designated as a Pesach offering and it has male offspring before Pesach, there is nobody, in fact, who disagrees. Rather, everybody agrees that the offspring cannot be sacrificed, as it's learned as a tradition that to the place that the leftover, leftover offering goes, the offspring also goes. Therefore, after Pesach, when that leftover Pesach offering is sacrificed as a shlamim, so the, offering is also, the offspring rather is also sacrificed as a shlamim. 
Avalifne Pesach, before Pesach, when the Pesach offering is not yet considered to be a leftover, since the holiday hasn't come and gone, the offspring has the same Kedusha, the sanctity, of, as the mother. So, in what way does the mother have any kind of sanctity? Well, it's consecrated for the value of a Pesach offering. It can't be brought as a Pesach offering, but it can be redeemed. Therefore, it should be sold, and a Pesach offering should be purchased with the money. So if, so, if so, the offspring should also be consecrated only for its value as a Pesach offering. So Rav Ukva Bahama raises an objection to this explanation of Abayi. He says, so do we say really that Rabbi Elazar maintains that as its mother is consecrated only for the value of the offering, so the offspring as well should, should be consecrated only for the value? However, it's taught in a price, isn't it, that one who designates a female animal as a Pesach offering, so it and the offspring are left to graze until they become unfit, and then they're sold, and then he, he, he uses the money that he gets to, to purchase a, a Pesach offering from it. Rabbi Elazar says the offspring itself is sacrificed as a Pesach offering. But here it's a case where the mother was consecrated for the value of the Pesach offering. And so nevertheless, Rabbi Elazar says that the offspring itself becomes sacrificed as the offering. And we don't, excuse me, we don't establish the status of the offspring based upon the sanctity of the mother. Amar Ravina, Ravina says, so you can answer that here we're dealing with a case of a person who designates an animal that's pregnant. And Rabbi Elazar holds, in accordance with the opinion of Rabbi Yochanan, who says, uh, regarding a person who consecrates a pregnant animal for a specific purpose, that if he left it out, meaning he he designates the baby uh, as having a different kind of sanctity, so then it's left out from the sanctity of the mother, mother, and it's consecrated in accordance with the designated sanctity. What's the reason for this? The reason is that the fetus is not considered to be like the thigh of its mother, but rather the mother and the offspring are considered to be two separate animals. So here too, it's only the mother uh, that is not sanctified with the Kedushas Aguf, the inherent sanctity of the Pesach offering, but it's only sanctified with the value. So, but the offspring, however, is consecrated as a Pesach offering. Amar Lema Zutra, Berei de Rav Mari, the Ravina. Rav, uh, Mar Zutra, the son of Rav Mari, says to Ravina. So this too stands to reason that we're dealing with a case where a person designates a pregnant animal from the fact that the Brisa teaches its and its offspring. So this indicates that both the mother and the offspring were in existence at the time that they were designated as having holiness. So the Gemara comments, Shmamina, conclude from here that this explanation is in fact correct. We flip over to Daf Yud Tedamid Base, 19b. I'm a Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Hanina. Rabbi Yossi, the son of Rabbi Hanina, says, and Rabbi Elazar concedes the point to the opinion of the rabbis regarding a case where one designates a female animal to be uh, an asham, a guilt offering, which is only brought uh, from the male animals, so that its offspring is not sacrificed as a guilt offering, as an asham. So the Gemara asks, this is, this is obvious, Peshitta. Rabbi Elazar says that the offspring can be sacrificed only if one designates a female a- off, uh, animal for an ola, and then that animal has a uh, male offspring, due to the fact that there is a burnt offering status for a bird that is the same gender as the mother. As remember, we talked about the fact that there is a bird who can be sacrificed as a female uh, for an ola. But with regard to one who designates a female animal as an asham, a guilt offering, where there is no guilt offering status for the mother, even Rabbi Elazar would, con- would concede the point that an offspring is not sacrificed as a guilt offering. So the Gemara answers, this statement is, is necessary. 
Because if Rabbi Yossi, the son of Rabbi Hanina, had not informed us of this halacha, I would say that the reason for the ruling of Rabbi Elazar, which is that one who designates a female, offering, a female animal for an ola can sacrifice the offspring as an ola, it's not due to the fact that there is a burnt offering status for a bird with the same gender as the mother. So rather it's because the offspring is fit as an offering because it's male. And this too, the offspring of a female that was designated as an asham guilt offering is likewise fit as an offering because it's male. So therefore, Kamash Malan teaches us this offspring is not sacrificed even according to the opinion of Rabbi Elazar. And Gemara raises an objection. If so, that Rabbi Yossi, the son of Rabbi Hanina's ruling is necessary to exclude the possibility that Rabbi Elazar's reason is that the offspring is suitable as an offering, so then say the following thing. Rather than teach us that the offspring of a female which is designated as an asham guilt offering, is not sacrificed as an asham. So let him teach us a, a ruling that's a little bit uh, broader, which says that its offspring is not sacrificed as an ola at all, a burnt offering at all, despite the fact that the mother is left to graze until it becomes unfit, and then sold, of course, and then the money used to purchase an actual ola. And from that ruling, you would know that the same is also true regarding the offspring uh, is not sacrificed as an asham, a guilt offering. Gemara explains, if he would teach us that according to Rabbi Elazar, the offspring is not sacrificed as an ola, I would say that it's only as an ola that the offspring is not sacrificed. Because he did not consecrate the mother with the same type of sanctity for the sake of which the fetus would be sacrificed. Why? It's because the mother was consecrated as an asham guilt offering, and the, but the offspring would have been sacrificed as a burnt offering. But regarding... Th- the option of sacrificing the offspring as a guilt offering when the offspring has the same type of sanctity as that, uh, the, like the mother has. So I could say that the offspring is sacrificed as a asham, which is a guilt offering. So therefore, he teaches us, uh, Kamash Malan, that it's not sacrificed as a guilt offering, even according to the opinion of Rabbi Elazar. We start a new mission now. So, in the case of a person who designates a female animal to be a guilt offering, which can only be brought from males, so that animal is then left to graze until it becomes blemished, then it's sold, and then the person will bring a guilt offering with the money that he gets from the sale. And in the meantime, if he designates another male animal and the guilt offering was already sacrificed so that a guilt offering is not needed anymore, so the money that he gets from the sale of that first blemished animal, a female animal is allocated for a communal gift offering. Rabbi Shimon says, since a female is not fit to be sacrificed as a guilt offering, so the halachic status is like like that of a blemished animal in the sense that it doesn't become, doesn't have kedushas hakuf, it doesn't have inherent sanctity. Rather, the the reason it's, it's sacred is because of its value. So therefore, it can be sold with, even without a blemish, and a guilt offering is purchased with the money that's received for the sale. So the Gemara asks, on this Mishnah, why do I need to wait until the female animal that was designated as a guilt offering becomes blemished before it can be sold? Why don't you just sell it immediately, even if it doesn't have a blemish? Because it's a female, and therefore it can't be brought. It's not, it's not fit for what it was designated for. So this is the same thing as having a blemish. It's really the same idea. I'm a Rav Yehuda. I'm a Rav. Rav Yehuda says that Rav said. So this is the reason that the female animal can't be sold before it develops a blemish. For we say that as sanctity that is inherent in its value has already descended on it, so therefore inherent sanctity has descended on it as well. 
So although it can't be sacrificed, right, it, there, it does have Kedusha Saguf, inherent sanctity, and that still requires that it can't be sold until it becomes blemished. Amar Rava, Rava says, that is to say that even if one consecrates a male animal with the intention of selling it and then bringing a burnt offering or an asham guilt offering with the money that he gets from it, um, it also becomes sanctified with Kedusha Saguf, with inherent sanctity. And as the animal is then fit to be brought as a burnt offering or a guilt offering, so we should sacrifice it. It was stated, Itzmar, that this issue is subject to the dispute between Amoraim. If a person consecrates a male animal with the intention of selling it and then bringing a burnt offering with the money that he gets from the sale, so Rav Kahana says that it is sanctified with Kedusha Saguf, with inherent sanctity, whereas Rava says that it's not. But Rava later then retracts this statement and he agrees with the opinion of Rav Kahana. Why? Because of the aforementioned statement of Rabbi Huda, which, who cited Rav, which said that an animal becomes sanctified with sanctity that is inherent in its value, and therefore uh, Kedusha Saguf also takes effect. The Mishnah then teaches us that Rabbi Shimon disagrees with the opinion of the Chachamim, and he says that a female animal that was designated as an asham, guilt offering, it can be sold without a blemish. The reason being that it's not fit to be sacrificed anyway, uh, and so therefore that's, it's like it has a blemish. Rav Chia bar Avin said to Rabbi Yochanan, so why doesn't Rabbi Shimon say that as sanctity that it has in its value has already descended on it, so it has Kedusha related to its, its value, so then it also has Kedusha Saguf. Why, why, why don't we say this? Amar Le Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Yochanan said to Rabbi Chia bar Avin, that Rabbi Shimon would conform this to this re- line of reasoning as he says regarding anything that's not fit itself to be sacrificed on the altar, that Kedusha Saguf, the inherent sanctity, does not descend on it. As is taught in in the case of a guilt offering that should be sacrificed when it's in its first year, uh, so for example, uh, when a Nazar brings a guilt offering or a leper at the time, he also had to bring a guilt offering, it has to be brought within its first year of its life. But however, the owner brings it when it was in its second year. Or we have a situation where a guilt offering that should be sacrificed when it's in its second year, such as a person who brings a guilt offering for a robbery or misusing um, consecrated property or for uh, what's called a designated ma- a maidservant. So then the owner brings it when it's in its first year. The offering is fit. So in, a- in essence, if you're bringing the guilt offering in the wrong year, so the offering is still fit, but it does not satisfy the obligation of the owner to bring a guilt offering. So he has to bring another one. Rabbi Shimon says that the offering is disqualified, and as these offerings themselves aren't consecrated because their proper time hasn't arrived or it's already passed. So this indicates that Rabbi Shimon would hold that in such a case, there's no Kedushas Aguf, there's no inherent sanctity. However, the Gemara says, but we should consider the case of a person who consecrates an animal whose time has not yet arrived, meaning an animal that's less, less than eight days old. An animal less than eight days old is not fit to be sacrificed. However, Rabbi Shimon said that it, it is sanctified regarding the prohibition against the slaughter of sacrificial animals outside the temple uh, courtyard. So it still has some level of sanctity. So this proves that according to Rabbi Shimon, even an offering that isn't even, that's not fit to be sacrificed has some inherent sanctity. The Gemara explains, however, that an animal whose time has not yet arrived, meaning it's less than eight days old, is different because it's fit to be offered tomorrow. So automatically, at a later stage, it becomes automatically fit. And therefore, it's considered to be fit as an offering, even though you can't bring it 
at that, at that exact moment. The Gemara objects to this, though. If so, that any animal which will eventually be fit to be sacrificed when its time comes is sanctified with Kedushas Aguf, so the same should also apply to a guilt offering that should be offered, whether it's in its second year, but the owner brings it in its first year, um, so then it'll be fit in another year. So if, if he brings it in the wrong year, it's, uh, and, and he has to really bring it in year two, eventually it's going to become fit. So why doesn't, he, doesn't that have inherent sanctity according to the opinion of Rabbi Shimon? So rather, this is the reason of Rabbi Shimon. In the case of an animal whose time has not yet come, so as he derives it from the halacha of a firstborn, kid the Tanya is taught in a brisa, that Rabbi Shimon ben Yehuda says in the name of Rabbi Shimon, an animal whose time has not yet arrived enters the pen to be tithed together with the other animals. And it's considered in this regard to be like a bachor, like a firstborn. So just as a firstborn is sanctified before the time when it's fit to be sacrificed has arrived, which is immediately after birth, so it's, it is, a bachor is already sanctified, and it's also sacrificed after its time, which is following the eighth day, so too an animal whose time has not yet arrived is sanctified before its time, and it's sacrificed after its time. So there's a uh, comparison between the two. The, Gem- the Gemara is going to continue to discuss the dispute between Rabbi Shimon and the Chachamim. And we'll finish this little last line of the daf. The Tanah Rabbanan, the, the Chachamim taught in Abraisa, that one who consecrates a female animal for his burnt offering, or for his Pesach offering, or for his Asham, as we turn over to Daf Chafamad Aleph, even though these offerings are brought only from male animals, is still cons- uh, considered consecrated with inherent sanctity. So therefore, if you exchange it for a chulin animal, a non-sacred animal, so you render that animal to be a tamura, a substitute, which is consecrated with the same kind of sanctity as the original animal. God willing, on the top of Daf Chaf Aleph, we're going to see what Rabbi Shimon responds to this, and we're going to continue with this debate between Rabbi Shimon and the Chachamim.